The Angry Chicken is a production of AMove TV. Bookmark AMove.tv for more gaming and esports shows. The Angry Chicken is directly supported by listeners like you via patreon.com slash TAC. podcast about Hearthstone, Heroes of Warcraft. This is the Angry Chicken. Greetings and welcome back everyone to the Angry Chicken. I'm Garrett, here as always with Joss. Welcome back, Joss. Thanks for having me, Garrett. (laughs) So you and I are both going to sit here on this entire episode. Folks out there listening, you, you may or may not know this. I would assume you know this. You and I, Joss, are big Warcraft fans, just in general. Like, all Warcraft we like. This is true. We, we have critical opinions about individual pieces of Warcraft for sure, but all Warcraft is essentially good Warcraft in our mind. We're big Warcraft fans. We both play the WoW. We both play the Hearthstone. I have a feeling we're both going to play the Warcraft 3 of a Forge when Blizzard remembers that they announced it and decide to release it. I've already paid for that thing. <laughs> I haven't. But nonetheless, uh, today is the day here on the Anger Chicken where you and I are going to do our very best to not talk a damn bit of World of Warcraft spoilers. We're not going to mention anything. We're son. saying nothing. We're saying nothing. All <laughs> we are doing is acknowledging the existence of World of Warcraft spoilers and then continuing to move on and talk about Hearthstone. Uh, and before we get into it, because there's quite a bit to talk about this week, um, I do want to remind f- all, all of our fine listeners out there, Josh, that, that we're having our community tournament this weekend. The Angriest Chicken Open is back saviors of taco as we like to call it is upon us and signups are public it's happening this saturday september 28th it's kicking off at noon eastern time the format is going to be best of five conquests with one ban first through fourth place you're going to win yourself 15 packs each of you and we're also going to be drawing two random winners outside of the top four who are also going to win 15 packs so you have a chance to win free Hearthstone packs just by participating. It costs nothing to sign up. So head on over, went ahead and made a short URL for you. You can go to bit.ly slash Oldham Taco right now. It's going to take you to a Battlefy page. Go ahead and sign up and we'll see you this Saturday. Again, the link is bit.ly slash Oldham Taco. Get there. All one word. Yep. Oldham Taco. (laughs) All one word. So, uh, hey, Joss, before we even get into the news, let's let's talk about some old news, everyone. Um, have you ever you ever finish a podcast to find out a significant piece of news dropped while you were recording and then you spent the entire week uh, talking about it with your co-host off air, thus leading you to believe that you actually covered that bit of news on an episode? Because that's definitely what happened to us and the discover change on this here program. Yeah, that's uh, it's what two weeks old now. I guess. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> yes, the uh, discover uh, the little sneaky discover change uh, came in on September 10th. This was the Tombs of Terror, essentially the pre patch because because Tombs of Terror hasn't been out for two weeks. It's been out for one, but it was the it was the pre patch for Tombs of Terror. It brought in a rather major change to discover, 
And we got out of the show. We're like, oh, wow, that's big news. We'll have to talk about it next week. And then you and I had a bunch of like random conversations in our, our Discord conversations. Uh, and then ne- last week, it just felt like, oh, yeah, we talked about that already. And we talked about that completely. One person tweeted at us like, hey, you guys haven't talked about that yet. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're absolutely <laughs> right. Uh, so at first I was thinking, ah, let's just skip it. It's old news. Everyone already knows about it. But if only one person tweeted at us, there's a, you know, I feel like there's a pretty good chance that listeners actually missed it because it was buried in that blog post uh, kind of announcing the, the pre-patch for the new single player. Yeah, so. I think it was uh, whether it, I don't think they actually called it a bug fix, but it was like quite far down. It was like, here's all the Tombs of Terror stuff. Yay. And then like other minor patches. We totally changed the way this keyword works. That Stealth Nurse Warrior, FYI. It's like, oh, yeah. patch notes, Steve, you buried the lead a lot there. <laughs> at least they at least it was there. Right. Like mm-hmm. it. it, it, it. Yeah, they could was, have just I mean, the other the other route this could have gone is that the community noticed and was like, hey, why am I not getting Omega Devastators as often? What's going it, on? Exactly. Which which three yeah. or four years ago is probably exactly how it would have gone, because yeah. uh, that's what, why we came up with the joke of Patch Notes, Steve. But if you if you missed it entirely or or you need a refresher, uh, the change that that was made to discover in the way that they wrote it out is that cards that discover from a random pool no longer apply a class bonus as the Discover pools have gotten more specific. Some are too narrow and repetitive. They might as well just put some are warrior discover cards is what they could have put there. <laughs> yep. uh, this change will increase the variety of cards fr- from random discover pools. So uh, what what does this mean? This essentially, uh, you know, here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't affect discover cards that are pulled from a specific pool or like spells specifically. So things like spell discover, your your mark shot, your your Caligos is a spell discover. Um, Valpira Scoundrel, which uh, you and I have been playing with in the the off meta deck we're going to be talking about today. Um, all of these discover from spells. Those haven't been affected because they're already pulling from a, a a very specific pool of cards that is written on the card itself. Uh, and the same goes for specific discover. Uh, pools, things like Worthy Expedition, which discovers from Choose One cards, Tortolan Pilgrim, which discovers from spells that are in your deck, uh, Sir Finley, you know, just from from Oldham, is is pulling from upgraded hero powers. Uh, Sinister Deal is another one. That's a lackey pool. Uh, that's all I can think of now because that's all I've written down. But <laughs> those, none of that's being affected because it's all very specific and it is specific in the card text of the card that uh, is is triggering that discover. But as you mentioned, Joss, this does affect Warrior and is essentially, as you put it, a stealth nerf uh, because it's really putting a ding on Mech Discover. So so Omega Assembly, essentially, it, it lost its really high chance to offer Warrior-specific mechs on the regular. Now it's, it, it, it's equal chances from neutral mechs to Warrior mechs, and the Warrior mechs were what was, well... <laughs> causing you and I to to complain on this podcast time and time again because we were sick of the 13th Omega Devastator coming down. Well, that's the thing, right? Because uh, Warriors between Dr. Boom's delivery drone hero power, which is the other way that they had to discover mechs, as well as Omega Assembly, it felt like they just had access to their ridiculously strong mechs much, much more often and much, much more... Um, consistently than they should have. So you were seeing Omega Devastators over and over and over and over. And that's a very, very powerful card, especially when we're talking post Mad Genius, because 
you have not only the ability to do 10 damage to a minion, but then on top of that, you have a four or five rushing minion as well. And you don't have to be as conservative with those resources if you know that you still have another Omega assembly or you still, you know, have the chance to get the delivery drone hero power. When your deck isn't limited to only two of those and you know that every time you discover you're probably going to find another one, then you can basically just control any board. So the decisions with the deck were a lot less. And so I think this is awesome that they've uh, decided to make this change because it means that, you know, it kind of goes both ways. Because a lot of people were talking about how this is just a straight up nerf to discover. But there's also a lot of pools of cards where the class cards might not actually be that great. And so now you're going to be able to discover neutral minions, which might actually be better for you than the stuff that you would get otherwise if your class was favored. So it kind of like nerfs warrior and then buffs some other things. And I think this is this is a really, really great change. Yeah, there's there's not a, a super like obvious example, I think, of a case where something got buffed by this. I mean, power of creation for mages, it's technically better, but it's really a really minor bump in the quality of that card. Uh, mm-hmm. it, 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 you know, if you don't remember, uh, you know, mages have uh, two six mana minions that are three threes. Uh, which power creation working the old way that it used to work had a really high chance of offering you these terribly statted minions. Yeah. Um, and that, so that's, that's no longer the case, but there's still, it, it's not that great of a card. Um, Archivist Elysian is also affected by this. It, it kind of feels not as important, although it does negative. Again, this feels like a stealth nerf to warriors because mm-hmm. warriors were getting, you know, dynamatics, devastators, things like that. Uh, and a high like and a high chance of it because of the class bias, um, but that's gone. You know, it's uh, that's the, you know, we don't need to worry about that anymore. I would imagine that this was a a duo, like a compounding concern of uh, the current state of warrior and just the the train of consistent mech discovery, um, but also just kind of restricting their design freedom down the road uh, for mm-hmm. making new discover cards in Hearthstone because we're, we're we've now. We've now seen the power of the class bias in full display in Warrior, and I'm, and I'm sure that they want to make more Discover cards. They're, you know, in the realm of what Warrior has had and what has worked so strongly for Warrior this year, uh, but I, I'm sure they're also not in a hurry to kind of bring back the same issues they've had with, with Warrior's strength to, to other classes. So I, I would, I bet that played a role. Yeah, and I mean, it also affects the taunt stuff too, right? Because I mean, uh, for Fright and Flunky, you were getting multiple Armagadillos as well, which is, you know, very, 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 very popular right now is just the taunt package and warrior in general. So yeah, Fright and Flunky, again, only been out for a few, what, a month and two months? Anyways, not that long. (laughs) And uh, yeah, already seeing a, a little bit of a, well, I don't know if it's a straight up nerf, but definitely a change. You can't kind of... um go flunky to flunky or you know get the extra um is it the one that that co- summons a copy of that minion two, is two that morton. Two, that is two it, morton okay. it is a i'm i'm you know i don't you know me i like to be flexible it's a straight nerf flunky kind of sucks now in my opinion <laughs> i think flunky yeah, went from I mean, like a, an a plus card to like a c minus maybe d plus card in my mind yeah poor flunky i was trying to be kind the flunky flunked <laughs> yeah that's a bad. Well, I mean, joke. it's, and I think that's because it, um, 
it was so powerful to begin with because you were often getting, you know, either a second chance at finding something that you wanted by pulling a flunky off of it. If the other two options were bad or, you know, like you had more tomb wardens, you have more armadillos, like I mentioned, and those cards together can snowball so quickly, not to mention the fact that you've also got them built into your deck. So it's like, if you're getting play an armadillo, it buffs your tomb wardens. And then you're playing another armadillo after somebody kills your four, seven, like that's yeah. Those, those tomb wardens then are just, way too huge to deal with so this could definitely this the funky could snowball and so because it was so powerful before i think that's why this seems like such a crazy nerf to funky because it's like it was up here when it probably should have been here and the nerf brought it to like here <laughs> so i think yeah. it's just it's in line with where it should be now yeah yeah so sorry we missed that everybody every now and then it happens on the podcast we're <laughs> <laughs> talking about it and you're like ah we totally covered that. oh no wait no we didn't um we just talked about it off air but uh hopefully if you were not informed you are now i just assumed jocelyn that no one listening to the angry chicken plays warrior because no one was defending it when i was at war against it for like a month uh, on this program <laughs> i don't know yeah i don't know but yeah this 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 affects quite a few cards uh, I've got a link in the show notes to the original post, the original patch. Go check it out. Get caught up. Uh, now, before we get into news, we do want to thank those of you supporting us over at patreon.com slash TAC. You know, we mentioned the angriest chicken open at the top. Uh, that is the, the support of the Patreon is one of the reasons that we are able to offer prizes. We do. We do pay for those prizes, Joss. We don't just have them laying around. Um, so, uh, if you like the show, if you like our community tournaments, if you want to support us here at the anger chicken, patreon.com slash TAC is the best place to do so. And, uh, to our latest patron de Hoyos S if I'm pronouncing that correctly, I hope so. Uh, thank you very much for signing up to become a patron of the anger chicken. Every little bit helps go check it out. Patreon.com slash TAC. And now let's get into this week's Hearthstone news. Good news, everyone. We've had a full week, Joss, a full week with Tombs of Terror, Hearthstone's latest single player adventure. Uh, how'd you like it? How was your like, for, you know, we, we, we talked about it last week, but we kind of got in there and like had to like really rush to play some games. Now that we've uh, now you've gotten a chance to kind of sink your teeth in. What do you what do you think? I am so glad that we're talking about last week's wings. Obviously, this week's wings came out uh, today, earlier today. And when I came into the show notes today and I saw all the blue under Garrett's notes, I didn't realize it was about the first two wings. So I was like, oh, my God, Garrett, how have you been able to play so much of wing three already? <laughs> but never mind. My first week in wings one and two was really, really good and really interesting. I'm very very much enjoying uh tombs of terror i like the mechanic of the plague lord i know uh not a lot or not not a lot but there are some people who feel that the plague lord mechanic is maybe not as satisfying because they feel like they're being set up to lose i guess and and not able to to defeat it in their in their first go so then they have to go back at it again but I kind of, I don't know. For me, I like it. Garrett, what did you, how did you feel about the, the 300 health end boss? My initial, like initial, initial gut reaction, uh, upon my first failure, like the, the failure it, it is, you are, it is kind of designed around it. Um, mm -hmm. my first time kind of losing and having to restart a run and go was that, Oh, okay. I don't know if I like this feels, feels, feels a little grindy. Um, but then I, you know, I did, had my second run 
and uh, I unlocked so many things. And I was like, oh, that's right. There's Not only is there new decks, not only is there new hero powers like there was last time around, but there's starter treasures. There's even mm-hmm. more to unlock now than there was before. I really like that. It uh, To me, um, it I think it's a, a, a solid gamification of replayability. Yeah, and that's kind of where I felt too, because I felt like... Um, uh, and I guess in my in my second and third runs, I actually didn't make it back to the Plague Lord again. But I was not necessarily just doing the run because I wanted to beat the Plague Lord. It's like the Plague Lord was almost like an extra reward at the end of my run. It was like something else big and challenging to play against. And I was doing the extra runs anyways because I wanted to unlock the other decks and hero powers and stuff. So it's like I was doing something anyways. It wasn't really asking a lot of me to go back and and go after the Plague Lord again. So I don't know. I had a good experience. I I at least didn't feel like um, I didn't have any negative feelings after losing to the Plague Lord. So I ended up with uh, the Plague Lord at 56 health, by the way, guys, if you were listening to uh, last week's show while I was playing in the background, (laughs) 56 health is where he ended. So almost one shot. But I haven't been able to make it back to him again, so he's still sitting there on fifty six health. <laughs> oh, oh no, yeah, no, I I cleared out uh, chapter one and two, um, and then so I did my first clears of one in, of chapter one and two on Finley. Yeah, see, and I used Reno, and apparently we're going to talk about it in a few minutes because uh, HS Replay was super kind and sent us a bunch of stats. So uh, we're going to talk about it in a minute, but apparently Reno is hard mode. <laughs> Finley is is the go-to when it comes to uh, how to have a higher win rate in uh, the first two wings so of I, the I adventure. Find that, um, I find that fascinating because... Uh, I didn't one shot a play. So but we haven't mentioned, by the way, it is entirely possible to one shot the plague Lord. It is. Yes. A hundred percent. You do. Have, I believe you have to get lucky with what the mm-hmm. game offers you. I, I don't think there's, I don't think you're guaranteed to one shot. it. Like if you don't one shot, it, I don't think you necessarily did something wrong. There's certainly a chance you did, but uh, I, I think- don't, I don't get the feeling that it's designed to be one shot. No, it's no, designed but, 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 to come back multiple times. It's supposed to be hard. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and that being said, so, uh, beat chapter one and two with Finley for the first time, but, uh, I believe it took me three chi- tries for chapter one and two tries for chapter two last night. You know, I just, I had some extra time, uh, you know, you know wife's in the shower, dogs are doing their thing. I don't need to do any chores or anything. Actually, I just have some free time. I'm like, I'm going to log in. I'm going to, I'm going to try Reno because tomorrow's angry chicken. I actually haven't tried Reno yet. And I I get in and I one shot chapter one on Reno. So my (laughs) only one shot, uh, is, is on Reno to me. Reno seemed so much easier than Finley. Uh, at least for chapter one, haven't, haven't taken Reno through on chapter two yet, but, Mm -hmm. uh, that combo hero power is gross. Uh, and you don't even necessarily need it that much. It's actually, it actually, to me seemed really good against at least the first phase of the Murloc plague Lord, because you can only damage it, the Murloc plague Lord in phase one by killing Murlocs. And so many of the Murlocs are one health. And also a lot of them are two health. So that ping or the combo ping, which does two damage is really a good little piece of tech to have when you go into that final plague Lord. Now that doesn't help you with, with uh, phase two or phase phase three, um, as much it's cur- certainly is still helpful, but to me, uh, it's funny you mentioned that it's, it, to me, Reno seemed easier for, for chapter one, but, 
But overall, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I will say the one thing about the Plague Lord is is that I I do feel a little bit of a sense of 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 grindiness this time when I go into heroic and I have to unlock everything mm-hmm. all over again. There's just something about it. I, I I don't know what it is because like I really I'm enjoying the grind in in regular, but then I get to heroic and I kind of just wish I had uh, ever, access to everything I've already unlocked in regular, because um, at least my 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 little bit of experience with heroic so far. By the way, I haven't cleared any wings on heroic. Um, is that it is significantly harder than mm-hmm. uh, than the Dalaran heist. So um, th- th- that is where I. Uh, I have that. That's my one critique is for, for whatever reason, probably because of the plague Lords, probably because this is meant to be replayed multiple times, uh, getting into heroic and having to unlock my decks, my hero powers, my treasures again, feels a little arduous to me. Yeah. Whereas I don't know. I, I kind of like that, that you have to, you know, you don't get to go into heroic with everything that you've already got. Like you kind of have to start, from scratch again like they are two different experiences i think that's really fun and some of the heroic changes to the the hero powers that the enemies get man they are just absolutely killer like yeah. sometimes it's like it used to cost you know two mana or three mana well on heroic it's free it's like oh my god you should not be able to do some of these effects for free or you know they do the same thing but buff by more than they did in the first round and you're just like man my face cannot take this much damage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I also feel I don't know. I uh, for some reason it's probably just luck, right? But um, I also feel like I'm getting like a disproportionately unlucky offerings of treasures. Like I keep getting mm. the one that's like when you play a legendary, summon two copies of it, and I'm like I'm not getting offered any legendaries, and also like legendaries aren't inherently good. Well, yeah, and I mean, if you're summoning a copy of it, then anything with a battle cry, which a lot of legendaries are battle cries, then, you know, you don't get the battle cry twice. So, yeah, if yeah. it's if it's Ragnaros, awesome. If it's Cthune, yeah. which, by the way, you can still build like a, a 12 Cthune deck, which I'm glad. I loved that in Dalaran Heist, and I'm glad that Cthune buckets are still offered. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, if you're summoning a copy of Cthune, uh, I mean, I, you're getting the stats for sure, but yeah, I want the, I want the friggin' battle cry. That's... That's why I'm Cthuning, y'all. Exactly. Uh, that was the other kind of weird thing. Um, is like I keep getting offered that damn treasure. <laughs> and I'm just, I, yeah, every time and I look at it, and I'm like, I don't like you. We should also talk about the the VIP treasure, right? So that's one of the ones. Um, it's the VIP tavern that you get to go into, and then I guess Bob gives you a deck. I've never seen it, so auto pick. This is, this is falling it. down into the. Uh, oh yeah, I'm totally sure there's a robot bartender. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm totally sure there's a VIP <laughs> tavern and I'm just not allowed in because I'm not important enough. I get it. <laughs> I've gotten it twice. Yeah. And one of those times was on my 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 300 to zero in a single run on Reno and uh, in, in, in wing one. Um, which, yeah. Which, so if you get a new VIP deck, which apparently, according to um, everybody in the chat room right now, it's it's very overpowered. It's a crazy deck to get from the VIP. tavern. It's, it's, so, it's not a deck. Uh, it's oh, that, okay. it's the the so if you get the VIP tavern treasure offered, uh, it updates like it upgrades all of your your tavern visits. So every time you you meet Bob or the conspiracy robot bartender that doesn't exist, um, <laughs> your your tavern experience is going to be upgraded, and you're going to have upgraded options of, like of cards of things you can do in your hand. You're also going to have double the amount of gold to spend. Oh, okay. 
And, and yeah, and, chat room is saying you can get a whole deck. Sometimes he'll just give you a whole deck. Oh, you can get a whole deck for, okay. So I haven't gotten that offer and I've, I've gotten the VIP treasure twice. I've done two runs with the mm. VIP treasure now. Uh, by the way, they were both wins. That's how powerful this treasure seems to me. Um, yeah, and right. I've I've never had it, and uh, yeah, I've had my butt kicked a couple times. But uh, apparently, Bob can. There's an option. One of the options that you get in your hand of cards when you go to the tavern is a four gold option to buy a deck from him. That is dope. That's so, so apparently, cool. it's very rare. So you first of all have to get the VIP tavern, which is super rare, and then also have to get the card for four coins in your in your random hand of things you get to do in the tavern gotcha. so well i, very, I haven't very rare. i haven't I gotten haven't the deck but i can tell you if you don't get the deck offered that the vip tavern is still very much worth it um because some of the things it allows you to do is uh is just crazy so i've been windmill slamming it every single time um what, one of my favorite things that comes out of that is uh there's the option for friendly smith so it's a two gold tavern card. You play it. You get to discover a weapon. Then you put that weapon in your deck and you give it plus two plus two. Mm. So, like it's it's nuts. Uh, like you get this on any one mana weapon. Cool. Great story. Like and enjoy your run. It's it's it, there's some really dumb things that you can do with this. Um, but but overall, I'm I'm really enjoying it. There's some super cool treasures this time around. Obviously, some returning ones as well. Um. Yeah, I just uh, I'm really enjoying. I just want to keep playing it. Um, I, I I dabbled in in chapter three a little bit. I've already successfully failed one run on Elise in chapter three. I lost on the very first boss with Elise in chapter Ooh. three. Yeah, I lost to um, she's the the one with the two mana hero power to draw a beast from or draw a card draw a minion from your deck and if it's a beast get a copy of it or something. Um, yeah. I just drew poorly on Elise and yeah, she, she just beat my face in. <laughs> mm, yeah. Elise seems a little slow. I'm not quite sure yeah. how best to, to build Elise. I'm not thrilled with the starter hero power. Mm-hmm. It seems, it seems just worse <laughs> than, uh, it certainly seems to me just worse than, than the, than Reno's here, at least starter hero power. And, um, I honestly liked I liked Finley's starter power quite a bit as well. I know you're just you're developing a two one that can't attack that turn unless you're you know doing some crazy things. But but I liked it. It was it was there were a lot of ways to take advantage of developing that two one every turn. And also, you're, if you're doing it in chapter one, that two one is an amalgam. It counts as a Murloc, so it helps you in the first phase against the uh, the Murloc Plague Lord. Mm-hmm. So I'm, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's gonna gonna take some time, I think, for me to to figure figure out how best to make a broken Elise deck in the tombs of terror. But you know, it's, we've had a couple hours with it. I've really only been able to dabble with it for about 45 minutes before we started the show today. Yeah, me too. Um, but, but again, I'm, uh, you know, we've, we've had some minor critiques here, but I, overall, I think this is again, a, kind of a slam dunk. I've, I really like what they've done with this. Um, and I'm excited to see what the kind of surprise at the end is. Yeah. So you, is there anything, I mean, not just critique wise, but any particular like bosses that you have had problems with, like oh, anything God, yes. that you like don't like? <laughs> I, um, uh, I am firmly convinced that high prophet Barim or Barim, I don't know how it's pronounced, which I have consistently seen as the fifth boss in chapter one. I am convinced that boss is unbeatable. I don't know how you beat this boss. I lost, I have lost to it every single time I've gone up against it in regular and it, it crapped me out of my first heroic run. It was just a hard loss out. I'm done. 
Now I've, I've managed to beat chapter one multiple times, but that's because I think the second time I ran into Prophet Barum, I had a hearthstone. So I was able to, mm. to get out of that fifth boss, stop by the tavern. And when I went back to the fifth boss, I got a different fifth boss. I didn't get Barum again. Um, oh, okay. If you haven't played against the high prophet, uh, the hero power, at least in re- in normal mode, is called Burst of Light. It's a three mana hero power. Uh, it has life steal and it deals one damage to all enemy minions. So on tap, this boss has a one damage AOE that also has life steal. Uh, it's a one mana hero power on heroic, which is yeah. just dumb. I couldn't keep a board alive. Uh, now it makes sense for my first time through, right? I'm, I'm going through on Finley. My hero power is to make two ones. I didn't stand a chance. I was just feeding this, this damn boss health or I wasn't developing my board. Yeah. You weren't using your hero power, which, you know, either way feels bad, but he, uh, yeah, I lost to him twice as well. I think I got him once as my fifth boss and once as my sixth boss. And for me, I, it wasn't that because I was doing I was playing Reno, so I had a little bit more uh, spells than I did board. But even then, it's um, I was able to stick my board, but then my board wasn't doing enough damage to him. And then it was like, well, man, do I put more minions on if I put more minions on then, you know, all I'm doing really is healing him more because sometimes like, you know, I have to do some trades and stuff, too, so that I don't die. and. It's like every single time you're attempting to trade with the board, it's like you might as well, like you're not only missing the damage to the hero, but then you're also healing him up because obviously he's going to use his hero power. And yeah, it's uh, the way that I built my deck. Cause yeah, uh, chat room saying go tall and that wide, which I think is fairly obvious. But um, if you don't build your deck like that, <laughs> then you're, you're kind of in trouble. So yeah, yeah which, I, was, which I, I was getting, um, I was getting beat down by the opponent's board because one thing that I've noticed as uh, Reno specifically is that you often get a whole lot more minions offered to you as opposed to spells. So I don't think I had a single board clear in my decks when I came up against him. So it's like, I have to be developing board because I have to be killing his board. And then if I'm killing all of his board, I'm putting more on mine, healing him for more. And yeah, it just, yeah, he's a very, very, very challenging boss. Yeah. I've been having trouble finding board clears, um, except yep. with Elise. Uh, I, I saw a lot of volcanic potions offered, but that's also going to kill your own board. Volcanic potion hits your whole board. If you, you know, cause that's a card that's in wild now, if you haven't been playing with it for a while and you forgot, it's also going to kill your stuff. Um, so yeah, that, that, that boss has really given me a hell of a time. And I feel like you have to be, be, have a, have a deck that's constructed very specifically to beat it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said, I kept running into it at five and that just seems early for a, for, for a boss to be that difficult, mm-hmm. but uh, it's going to be, yeah, the- he's, he's five or six is, uh, is the options. And I guess you have, you have eight per run, right? Plus the plague Lord. Yeah. Yeah. So it did feel kind of early. I felt pretty bad when I when I was going out that early. But then I was like, well, he is also really hard. And I'm pretty sure this is the guy that Garrett had problems with, too. So, <laughs> yes, yes. Gave me a give me a very tough time. I'm I'm looking forward to actually defeating this damn ball. I'm more, I, I'm more excited about beating this boss than I am a Plague Lord. This boss yeah. is, <laughs> is annoying me. Uh, but yeah, uh, as for like things I really, really like a uh, power up the final hero power on Finley which sometimes you don't even need because you can discover new hero powers um, mm-hmm. like that you haven't even unlocked yet uh, through the, some sometimes through your runs. But uh, power up uh, gives Divine Shield and Wind Fury to, to minions. 
and the I don't remember the exact name of it off the top of my head, but the Finley treasure that is his his steed, the mount you see him like riding on in his mm-hmm. card. That card is insane how quickly it can get really large attack values, and then you just slap it with a divine shield and a wind fury, and suddenly you're doing like 50 damage chunks per turn with Finley's Steed. It's it's so good. There's so many dumb things you can make happen when you can give any minion on your board wind fury. The divine shield is almost kind of ancillary, but it, it protects it on top of that. So it's yeah, very likely yeah. that that wind fury minion will survive to another turn, and eventually you just have a board full of wind fury minions. So. Sounds very very overpowered <laughs> it is it is it's gross it's gross for sure um i'm also a big fan of the 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 there's a treasure that forces your enemy to skip their first two turns and uh this is probably the reason i've been having trouble with high profit barum is because i keep getting this this treasure and i do like it but it tends to make me want to put together an aggressive deck because mm. if my opponents skip in their first two turns i want to consistently have powerful turn one and turn twos uh, which is which is not impossible, but you're you know if you're really going for consistency, you're going to be probably picking uh, from from treasure buckets that are on the lower end of the mana spectrum. Overall, having a good time. Want to play more? So you said, uh, yeah, HS Replay sent us some some Tombs of Terror statistics from week one. This is really cool of them to do. What were some of the the trends you noticed from this data? Yeah, so uh, thanks again to HS Replay for sending us this stuff. So uh, this information is stuff you'll only get here. Oh, exclusive. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, they did send us their uh, their data from wing one and wing two from the first few days. And essentially, Sir Finley was the better of the two heroes in both normal and heroic mode. So if you guys are going through like me on Reno, you had a slight disadvantage. So over the course of both Wing 1 and Wing 2, Finley had somewhere between a 3 and 5% average win rate better than Reno. Um, so yeah, we just, we're doing it on hard mode, that's all. It's like heroic plus if you decide to play as Reno. <laughs> Um, and as we were just talking about power up, so that's uh, that's Finley's hero power that gives uh, Divine Shield and Wind Fury to a minion. That is the hands down best choice for Sir Finley, period, no matter what wing you're doing, on, no matter what difficulty. But Reno, his best hero power changed based on both wing and difficulty. So Arcane Craftiness is the best one in wing one. And so Arcane Craftiness is the uh, fire two missiles that deal one damage each. And if any minion dies, you get to repeat it. So uh, that was the best in wing one. But then Amateur Mage, which was the combo hero power that we were talking about, was better for normal on wing two. And Heroic Wing 2, actually, it was best if you were the Relicologist, which is your next spell this turn has uh, spell damage plus two. So it was actually really cool to see that, um, at least from uh, Reno's standpoint, all of his hero powers were better in different situations. Now, I think Power Up is just the hands down most powerful hero power, so it makes sense. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, I don't know. So, on Sir Finley, once you unlocked power up, is that pretty much all you ever used? Um, yeah, but, well, that's also a little, I don't know. I don't want to say disingenuous, but it's a little disingenuous because like once I got it, like I, I won, like I completed chapter two with that unlocked and I was like, oh, I'm done. Cool. I'm going to go dip my toe into heroic. I'm going to try a Reno run. Uh, so we'll, we'll see kind of what happens. 
Um, in fact, if, if HS3 play continues sending us stats, which would be kind of rad, it'd be, see, it'd be cool to see if things change for wing three or wing four. Uh, to see if, if, but although my Lord, Joss, I mean, it, it, I don't think we're blowing anyone's mind when we say, Hey, the hero power that gives divine shield and wind fury for two mana is the best one. Yeah, they, it does seem quite straightforward. It feels like Reno's maybe, uh, you have to build your deck around a little bit more. Whereas power up on Finley is just like play minions, which is the thing you want to be doing anyways, probably. And then also make them better. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I also like at least um, I haven't really I haven't dug into what Elise's new or like possible unlockable hero, hero powers are. But but for Reno and, and Finley, the second hero power is my least favorite on both of them. Mm. Like for Reno, so, I, I would rather have amateur mage or arcane craftiness. And, and for 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 Finley, I would definitely rather be developing a two one like on the regular. I know what's happening consistently or giving things to Vine Shield or Wind Fury just uh, rather than just discovering a minion. Yeah, so Finley's uh, bubble bubble blower hero power uh, is uh, discover a shaman or paladin minion with a battle cry, and it also overloads you by one. So it only costs one, but it does have one overload. So it was not the most effective overall, but uh, again, power up is just so good. But I do like that at least with with one of the two heroes, the starter hero power is very useful even on heroic. So I like that they're yeah, or sorry, not on heroic, on normal for wing two. So I like that there's uh, there's a lot of uses here, and it's not just like you have to grind because the third is just straight up the best. End of story. Um, we also got some info on which ones the deadliest bosses of the wings were so oh wonderful so so we're, we're clearly <laughs> we are vindicated in that prophet barum is broken uh, and impossible to beat and clearly the hardest boss a hundred percent except for no <laughs> oh okay <laughs> he was not one of the deadliest bosses from wing one uh but so the plague lords actually obviously because they're designed to be beat over multiple runs uh they have approximately 50 percent win rate so it turns out one shotting them is actually a lot more popular or a lot more uh, happens a lot more often than you might potentially think but um I kind of I, I put the plague lords aside because I felt like they didn't really count in terms of like boss bosses. It's kind of the mechanic of this entire yeah, single player. They're, they're their own thing. They're they're their own thing. So uh, for Wing One on normal, General Hasim was the uh, deadliest boss, only a sixty eight percent win rate. Most bosses in the wings, by the way, were somewhere at like seventy five or up in terms of win rate. So a lot of them were somewhere in the 90s, like especially the earlier bosses, like 90% of, of games against them were won. But uh, yeah, the general, uh, I think actually all of them except for the winged guardian are the final boss of the wing before you get to the Plague Lord. So again, that makes sense. You know, difficulty ramps up over time. And winged guardian and, uh, was the deadliest on heroic mode, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Winged Guardian is the deadliest on heroic mode. So uh, the winged guardian is the one that has the hero power that sets a minion's attack and health to three. And I feel like the winged guardian happens somewhere in the middle of the run. I don't think that I it's not one of the four bosses that you can see right before you get to the Plague Lord. Oh, that's interesting. So I found that kind of interesting. Yeah. I'm not sure I've run into the winged guardian, but that reminds me, I think it was like, was it the carousel? In Dalaran, that one of the like mid ones that seemed innocuous was actually rather difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what, yeah, the, the wing guardian seems like, okay, fine. Uh, it's hero powers free on heroic. 
And so therefore it can just make any minions attack in health three for no mana, which means it can spiral out of control because it can do it to its own minions, but it can also bring your threats down into line with its what its board is looking like. So because that hero power is free, it gets really crazy on heroic and can spiral way out of control and only had a 64% win rate of, of players facing it off against it. So mm, gotcha. Um, General Hassan yeah. doesn't, I guess it doesn't surprise me because I did. I was a little worried fighting that one because I was like, oh God, it's just permanent Dr. Boom. Everything has Rush. Also, mm-hmm. also has Warrior cards. I got Brawled. I got Super Collidered. I was just sitting there getting uh, ladder sweats. Yeah. It was it was gross, mm-hmm. and uh, and he is right before the final boss, right? So or right before the plague lord. So yeah, he's a tough one. Uh, and then in wing two on normal, it was Azra or Azera that gave players the most problem. Actually, this on normal was the hardest boss out of anything that wasn't a plague lord. With only a fifty five percent win rate against this boss. So she has the mother of sand hero power, which is after you overload, you summon a dust devil. So I don't think I ever actually faced her. Uh, Garrett, did you see her? Because I couldn't find anywhere what summoning a dust devil actually did. I, I did. <laughs> it's it summoned the dust devil, the card, the three one with wind fury. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's interesting that, that players had so much, so many problems with that because, uh, so Azera is again, the Azera and Waste Wanderer Kardish, who are our two hardest in wing two, both of them are again right before the Plague Lord. So, um, I mean, obviously she's going to have a big health pool, but, uh, one health minions don't seem like they should be such a problem. But, uh, apparently, yeah, chat room's now saying, oh, yeah, the dust devils, <laughs> disgusting. It's so, not a, problem until it is it's the kind of thing of like how many times can you continuously find a way to weave in a, an attack or a damage mm-hmm. to get rid of that dust devil before before things get get kind of nuts now i did I, yeah i ran in i know i ran into where i think it was my first time going through wing two and i didn't one shot wing two but I, I i know i made it to the plague lord the first time but i feel like both of my wing two runs before i defeated the plague lord uh I don't remember exactly what my decks were, but I would, my memory says they were both very powerful, <laughs> both runs. <laughs> I had very powerful decks. They were both on fin- Finley. I haven't even tried Wayne two with Reno yet. Mm. So, well, and, and so uh, this kind of helps to explain, I think why potentially amateur mage is better only on wing two on normal is because um, you can ping away those three ones. Right. So makes a lot of sense why Reno with his ping hero power would end up being uh, better off against Azara if you happen to come up against her right before your Plague Lord. And then on Heroic, Waste Wanderer Kardish, like I mentioned, um, was the hardest boss with a 70% win rate, which is really interesting. It seems like maybe Wing 2 on Heroic, for some reason, people had much, much higher win rates than normal, which I thought was just just straight up odd. <laughs> but uh, maybe, Waste... maybe it's people doing it in order. And Maybe. so they're just, they're better. They, we just have a better understanding of Tombs of Terror and how to kind of game the system by the time we actually go and attempt Wing 2 Heroic. That is very, very likely. And again, these these stats came to us uh, kind of end of last week. So uh, just before the weekend. So it would have been, you know, if you're attempting Wing 2 on Heroic, then you're pretty hardcore single player Hearthstone player, I think. Um, 
But yeah, so Waste Wanderer Kardash is the one who summon, who, whose hero power is boom bullets, which is summoning goblin bombs and then give all other goblin bombs other than the one you just summoned plus two attack on heroic. It's plus one attack on normal. So um, I can see how that would definitely spiral out can of we control that, very quickly. Can we get that to be a card that I can put in my mech hunter? Because yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't need it on hero power. That's just stupid broken. And But can we figure out a mana cost to assign that and let me put it in my hunter deck, please? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. Um, well, that's rad. Thanks again to HS Replay for sending that over. Uh, not sponsored or anything, but as you have figured out, probably figured out by listening by now, we're fans of HS Replay and use them constantly for statistics. So we're glad that they sent those over. Um, in other Hearthstone news this week, Jocelyn, did you see the Reddit thread talking about, uh, well, being banned uh, for playing Snip Snap Warlock and Wild? I actually saw the initial thread of the guy complaining about this guy who ended up getting banned and then unbanned. So I saw the initial post of saying, basically saying like, my opponent played snip snap 67 times in one turn or something crazy. And you know, how is this possible? You know, ban him, blah, 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 blah. So I saw the original post. I didn't see the, uh, the response until today. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, if you missed it, anyone, uh, Reddit by the, uh, Reddit user by the name of Ed detector posted to the Hearthstone subreddit last week saying that their Hearthstone account had been banned for playing snip snap Warlock in wild. Um, as it turns out, Joss, there's there's a, a third-party piece of software out there that removes card animations in Hearthstone. So, like, does what everybody's been asking them to do forever? <laughs> yeah. I mean, not that I'm condoning it. Not that I'm condoning, <laughs> you know, third-party. I'm not, I'm not saying that you should be using the software. I'm just saying that it's it's something the community has been asking for since Hearthstone became a game. So... I don't think it's anyone should be surprised that someone has stepped up to fill that void. (laughs) Uh, Except it is like clearly an exploit because if one person still has to play with animations and another person doesn't, the person that doesn't has a significant leg up. I I am again, I am not condoning the use of this piece of software. Obviously I'm just saying it's something that the community has been asking for for a really long time is some sort of a competitive mode or, you know, way to, to play and turn off your animations. So can, uh, I believe it's a shut. It came to popularity again, or, or was given a much louder voice again with uh, the Shutterwalk issues back before they uh, have the length of the Shutterwalk animations. Yes. It does break the game guys uh, chat room. D- like don't pile on me. I'm not saying everyone should be using this. I am saying Yes, it's bad. Do not use. But I'm not surprised someone created it. <laughs> I, I think where chat room is, is getting hook, uh, like hung up is, is that we have not like specified, carved out in stone that this does not mean that your opponent also doesn't have animation. So it's a one way. Yes, uh, it is exploit. a one way street. Yeah. Um, so we can, we, we can have a debate about, uh, pro or anti animations, uh, another day. Um, but, but as to this, this particular piece of news, um, this means that if you are running this this piece of this application, you're able to just get in a lot more plays, especially if you're playing long long animation cards like Snip Snap. And so Snip Snap has kind of become the the scapegoat or like a really big tell, especially in Wild, especially in Warlock, that you, some shenanigans may be going on. Anyway, um, the the user on Reddit, Ed Detector, claims that they were not using this application that they were just playing a legitimate 
game of Hearthstone as a warlock with Snip Snap in their deck, uh, and then got on Reddit and explained that they were banned. And needless to say, that this, this post totally blew up. Uh, I just like two days later, community manager, uh, I'm going to say Kautza. I'm not actually sure how to pronounce that name, uh, posted the subreddit saying that the team had been pouring over Ed Detector's post and quote, gathering all the details on the situation. Kautza then continued to say, uh, quote, given the interaction with the extended time issue described above, we are rolling back a large quantity of these bans. We're also updating the procedures that led to these bans to ensure they only catch cheaters. Uh, and then Ed Detector's original post, which kind of started this reply from a CM, was updated saying that they're they, their ban had been lifted. They got their account back and then they went on to you know thank the Hearthstone community for bringing this so much attention. Um, but th- this is wild. Uh, like clearly multiple players were, were incorrectly banned. Uh, if, if, if the, you know, by the CM's own words, quote, they rolled back a large quantity of these bans. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's the right choice, obviously. Like if there is some sort of issue and bug in your game, obviously people who aren't using this software, then unban them that makes perfect sense but i don't know and again maybe i don't understand enough of what blizzard can see on their end but i don't know like how do you prove you're not using a third-party piece of software like i guess like this is the kind of information blizzard's probably never going to tell us because they don't want us to know you know they don't want us to know how they know because if we knew someone would make something that they couldn't detect so i understand but um, yeah, I think I just don't know enough about computer stuff to really understand how someone would be able to prove that they weren't using a piece of software to interact with Hearthstone. Well, we're having to read between the lines here, but I think the the insinuation here is is that they don't. They don't have a perfect way to do it. So mm-hmm. they were essentially looking at decks that were playing Snip Snap and getting more plays in following the Snip Snap play than would seem possible without the aid of a third-party piece of software. Hmm. I mean, yeah, I'm glad that if, you know, they were able to prevent or present enough evidence to Blizzard that they got their account unbanned. I think that's the way that it should go. And I'm glad that Blizzard is able to say like, oh yeah, sorry, we messed up. Here's all your stuff in your collection back. You're unbanned. Go play Hearthstone. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's just, it's just, it's just, uh, um, it's kind of a crazy story. Um, I am glad that the team was this open with it. Like that they basically came out and said, Oh yeah, yeah. We totally banned quite a few accounts that didn't deserve it. We have rolled that back. We're making changes to ensure that this doesn't happen. Obviously there's some folks on Reddit that are, have less than kind words, uh, following that admission. Uh, but this is the kind of stuff that I would like to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad to see. Um, that being said, also, if you're out there playing on wild, Keep an eye out for uh, Snip Snap exploits and a lot of plays happening in an amount of time that you can't control or interact with. So just keep your eyes open. Uh, Well, and I mean, so so this is kind of the thing, right? Like, is it actually an exploit to just play Snip Snap Warlock? (laughs) Because it's an interaction between um, Mech Warper, basically a Mech Warper and Summoner's Summoning Portal. And the combination of those two makes Snip Snap free. And then so you just go infinite Snip Snaps. Yeah. And then 
hit him in the face. Yeah. So that's not in and of itself an exploit, right? Not, not according to anything said by Kauta or Team Five at this time, and I, I don't right. think so. The, the 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 focus here is really on uh, like incorrect bans and and this this software that is essentially as as far as as we're concerned cheating. Hmm. So, but uh, what I'm saying is like maybe don't um get upset or raise the the flag the red flag too early because they did say in their actual like blue post that you know you can sometimes get up to 70 snip snaps in one turn as an actual person <laughs> yes yes that's uh certainly seems like something maybe they're they're keeping an eye on uh mm-hmm. but they've been keeping their, they kept their eye on Barnes too and that took a few years to see it change too. <laughs> so we'll have to we'll have to see how that shakes out um anyways uh, just be on the lookout for really big snap snap plays, uh, beware, beware warlocks and wild. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a small bug fix patch last Friday. Nothing really noteworthy in there. Um, other than in it, they, they mentioned that they are aware of plague of the plague Lord health bug. The, basically the bug that some players are experiencing where the health is not persistent, that the health on the plague Lords is being reset, which is, very maddening if it has uh, has uh, happened to you. I've been lucky; hasn't happened to me, but we've heard some from uh, multiple listeners where it has happened to them. Mm-hmm. They're aware of it. They're working on it. It was not fixed in this uh, bug patch, so uh, keep an eye out for hopefully a, a hot fix coming very soon for that. Now, before we get into the strategy and talk about another off-meta deck submitted by our fine listeners, Joss, we have a sponsor to thank today. And it's me undies and, and, and Joss it follows basically here. Uh, I would assume probably more for you than it is for me because I live in Florida where we have one season and one mm-hmm. season only, and that's summer. And sometimes it gets in the mildly, mildly breezy summer. <laughs> um, but what do, what do you think of? What do you think of when you think of fall? Uh, I think of leaves and I think of like nice warm drinks, like, Pumpkin spice lattes. Hey, hey, there ain't nothing wrong with a pumpkin spice latte. Y'all can throw the word basic around all you want. You know what? You hand me a pumpkin spice latte. I will, I will slurp that sucker down. <laughs> I think of like sweaters and scarves and like adorable floppy wool hats. And yeah, mm, mm, <laughs> I think what? of all fun, good, happy things. <laughs> well, we, we have, we have leaves, but they're oak leaves and they just kind of fall at random. Um, and we don't really get it too big of a change in weather. In fact, I've been at risk of a heat stroke, uh, given certain costumes around Halloween time. I think, <laughs> I think of sitting on the couch in some really comfy loungewear while watching scary movies. That's what I think of when I think of fall and me undies, the softest undies in the world, Jocelyn, they know a thing or two about comfortable loungewear because my favorite lounge pants in the world is from me undies. They're so comfy. I've got a couple, I've got a couple pairs now. I know you've got a couple pairs. I think we might even have the same yep. pattern on one or two of them. Uh, I have uh, Disco Dancing Stormtroopers. I have that one. Yep. yep. <laughs> I like them because they have a blue background and blue is my favorite color. So <laughs> uh, I like them because Star Wars is uh, the greatest film of all time. Don't at me. Um, I also have shiny, sparkly mermaids and mermen. Uh, but they're they're really comfortable and there's nothing else I'd rather be just rocking while I'm lounging on the couch watching Freddy Krueger murder Johnny Depp. Sorry, spoilers for like a 30 some odd year old movie at this point. <laughs> um but yeah, uh, Mandy's are great. Really comfortable. You got, you like loungewear? They've got you covered. Are you more of a onesie person? And if there's ever like onesie season, I'm pretty sure it's fall. They've got you covered. Fall on that. is definitely onesie season. Yeah. yeah they got you fall covered into on winter. <laughs> yep. 
Got you covered on the onesies. They've also got you covered on your actual undies. Super soft, micromodal fabric. Go check it out. And, um, you know, maybe go to meundies.com slash TAC because they've got a great offer for our listeners. You can get 15% off if you're a first-time purchaser of your order. You also get free shipping. And this is like, it's basically a no-brainer. They have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So for whatever reason, you're not happy, you're fine. You're protected by that 100% guarantee. So uh, go to uh, meundies.com slash TAC. You're going to get 15% off your first pair, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go check them out. Let them know we sent you. And now, Joss, let's talk about the catchiest deck name in the world. Hit it very hard. You want to throw something up? <laughs> Time to pay. And the catchiest deck name in the world is, of course, Wild Reno Quest Jade Shaman. Sent to us. So easy to say. Just rolls right off the tongue. <laughs> mm, just like butter. This was sent to us by listener Oshi over to tacpodcast at gmail.com. That's where you can send your off-meta deck list. You can also send us questions, comments, anything you'd like to send in to be a part of the Angry Chicken. Also, patrons, you got the patron discord. Hit us up in there. Um, but this is exactly... As advertised, this is a wild deck. It's a Reno deck, meaning it's Highlander, but it's running like OG Reno, going to heal you to full because you've got only one ofs in your deck. It's running the new quest, Corrupt the Waters, and it's running the, the old Jade cards that Shaman had access to. If you miss Jades... Which I do. I do too, Joss. <laughs> this is something that... Pretty unanimously, you know, the community around Hearthstone got sick of at, mm-hmm. its, at, its, at its peak, at its high point, which was mostly like Jay Druid. Jay Druid was yep. the big offender for sure. Yeah, but this this is one of the things I really miss. This is one of my favorite things to go back to Wild for the expressed purpose of revisiting. And that's that's Jade cards and Jade Synergy. The other answer is Cthune. I love Cthune. I miss yep. Cthune. I don't care if it's not the best deck in Wild. I like to go back there and play it. But um, yeah, so it's got those those jade cards in there. Um, I'm really just I'm, I'm just waiting for the day. Listeners out there, help me remember this. You know, year from now, two years from now, whenever it happens, when Jocelyn gets on the show and says, "We're going to talk today about a wild cube deck because I'm eight cube. I miss cube. <laughs> I want you to remind me, and then we'll Will mark it on our calendars." Will never happen. <laughs> <laughs> Unless maybe if it happens on episode 666 and then you guys know that I've clearly been possessed because <laughs> normal Jocelyn would never say she misses cube ever. You can clip it, clip it, save it, send it in. <laughs> well, what you are <laughs> saying is happen. do at me. That's what Jocelyn is <laughs> yes, saying. Yes, right go now. ahead and at me. Never Bring it. <laughs> well, I, I will never say I miss Yogg-Saron. Uh, so at me. I guess. Anyways, this go. uh, this deck is fun. Um, we uh, dual piloted. Uh, we t- we tested this deck. We actually called each other on Discord, loaded up some games, traded who was actually piloting it, and uh, patrons. That video is actually up over at Patreon.com/slash/tac right now. Um, this is a fun deck. I like this deck quite a bit. You can have some awkward turns, mm-hmm. which is. To a certain degree, to be expected, it's a Highlander deck, so you're going to have essentially no consistency. And yet, you <laughs> can. You could have. You know what's consistent about this deck, Jocelyn? You win? Dropping Reno like four times <laughs> on average. Yeah. 
Oh, man. Yeah, very much so. And actually, uh, before we get too, too far into this, just to go back to something you said about how you really like Cthune, I almost feel like there's probably if you took the Jade package in this deck, you could probably replace it with a Cthune package as well. And it would probably do about the same thing. Because Ooh. this deck, since it plays with the quest, it's all about battle cries. And most of the Cthune minions that you play are battle cry, buff your Cthune. And then obviously your Cthune is then a battle cry, right? So yeah. then by the time you're playing your Shutterwalk, your Shutterwalk gets all the Cthune stuff, man. And then your Cthune gets like double buffed off the Shutterwalk. I mean, at that point, this deck though, like most of the time I felt like in my games, when Shutterwalk was played, it was just this cherry on top of a winning Sunday. I was The game was mm. already over. Shutterwalk was just there to be the destroyer of all hope. If my opponent had any hope left, if there was any light left in their eyes, Shutterwalk just blotted it out. Um, yep. But yeah, and that's interesting. I'd like to try that. I, I, I feel like... Uh, your average Cthune minion is not as good as your average Jade minion in terms of like bouncing back a Jade minion and replaying it and also getting another and larger Jade is worth more than a large majority of Cthune minions, but that's a test for another day. Um, This deck, I mean, it's a Highlander deck. And so it's, it's kind of bad audio to just go card by card. Uh, But the best way to describe it is because you are running the quest. It is so battle cry heavy. It is insane. And it is also bounce heavy. And these bounces are battle cries. So there's, it's just mm-hmm. synergy on top of synergy on top of synergy on top of healing. Because the, my first note that I wrote down was uh, awkward turns. I'm leaving mana up like I'm a quest druid, not like I'm a quest shaman. But it doesn't matter. There's enough healing to survive through most matchups. Most. There are certainly bad ones. But yeah, I feel like I got all of the bad ones, which led me to uh, to make some changes to the deck. So that's the the possible tech changes that you see over on the side. So I found I was facing so much aggro and not just so much aggro, but so much aggro of a very specific type. So you were looking at, you know, dude synergies in Paladin. You were looking at Murloc synergies in Paladin and Shaman. And then, uh, yeah, just there were so many things that or uh, mechs as well, like magnetic things that were going on. And so basically things that could be dealt with with transformative effects or with silence. And the original version of the deck didn't really have any of that. And so I found I didn't have ways to deal with it, which is why I looked at um, adding in Hex, uh, adding in the Sandstorm Elemental to help me keep control of the board. Uh, adding in Devolve to get rid of any of those synergies that the other decks might be built around, and then hag at this scheme in order to, again, attempt to uh, to clear the board and kind of keep control of things. Because even with all the healing, uh, I often found that I was dying to aggro. And now I should also say that uh, Oshi, when they sent in this deck, very much uh, said, like, you know, I get to rank five in wild. Like they're a very good, very high level wild player. I haven't touched wild in quite a while. This was my first time going in and actually spending some real time. I played a little bit when the expansion launched because I wanted to play with a super fun mage deck, like big spell magey type stuff. And uh, yeah, so I hadn't really played a whole lot of wild. So I'm down at rank, you know, between 22 and 20. Like you can't lose stars at this rank. That's where I am in wild. So all I was seeing was so, so, so much aggro. And the thing about wild too is that... um, for whatever reason I get and Garrett, I know you have a theory about this, but I was seeing so many at rank 22 and wild 
golden heroes, legendary card backs. Like I'm guessing a lot of people like me who are, you know, dipping their toe in over in wild and man, these are good players, <laughs> but so much aggro. Yeah. My, my, my theory there is just, and this is based on nothing, but my own personal experience of seeing <laughs> the same thing. Cause at the end of the month is usually when I dip my toe in wild, it's the end of the month, mm-hmm. you know, if there hasn't been a huge meta change, you know, I've, I've seen what I need to see. I'm ready for, for a change in my Hearthstone play. So I go to wild and I, I don't think I'm alone. I think there's a lot of players that, that play a lot of standard. They're very competitive. They're very good players. Uh, and then at the end of the season, they've, they've hit legend. They've climbed as high as they want to climb and it's time for them to, to try something different. And if they're not going to arena, they're dipping their toe into wild. And so I think, I think you found yourself here in late in September down at angry chicken rank, uh, going against folks that are just like, well, what's good in wild. All right, let's just see how fast I can climb with like the most busted aggro paladin yep. I can possibly cobble together. Um, and so I think that's very likely. I wasn't that much higher than you. I, I, I think I started at rank 20, uh, but I didn't see that at all. I saw what, what I usually kind of see as, as standard low rank wild fair, which is just to me from the outside looking at it, it looks like people making decks with what they happen to have laying around. Mm. Um, there was, because you and I played God, what, like seven games, I think together. I think so. And we won all of them, all I of believe them. every single yeah, day. So, you were playing with the deck list that we started with. And then I was playing with my like anti aggro tech changes. So uh, the cards that I took out, I took out the menacing Nimbus, the quicksand elemental, the eater of secrets and the questing explorer, because I'm still not convinced the questing explorer is a good card. I understand Boy. it's a really good, t- it's a good to draw. And I know this is going to be, this is the point of contention between Garrett and I, this is where we do not agree. Uh, questing explorer is really good. As long as you have the quest up, but specifically in this uh, shaman deck, this isn't like the priest deck where you can kind of sit back and when you finish it, you finish it. Uh, the shaman deck really shines once you get your once you get your quest completed. So you want to do that kind of as quickly as possible in most matchups. So if you're doing that, it means that unless you get questing explorer pretty much in your mulligan or in your first couple of turns, then your questing explorer is a total dead draw and wild specifically punishes you so hard on every turn if you're not doing what your deck is supposed to do. So if you get a dead draw, like the questing explorer, it's just like, oh man, now I'm so far behind because everyone's doing super busted things, which is what makes wild fun, but is why I think questing explorer just doesn't belong in this deck in the wild version. There's just so many other possible cards that you can include like hex, like devolve, like sandstorm elemental that just are so much more powerful. Uh, I don't, disagree with you on on the awkwardness of dead draws um but i i really like questing explorer i think the the chance for the upside of of having it while your quest is still being completed uh is enough for me um because the games where i have it it feels like just so easy so smooth it's wonderful and uh, the games where i draw it later is is fine i have i've i definitely won plenty of games with this deck uh, drawing questing explorer after the quest had been completed. Um, but, but I, whatever, there's so much more to talk about this deck here. We can have our questing explorer, the great questing explorer debate at another <laughs> time. Um, what I, what I'm with you, what I, what you start to get into, uh, and I would like to double down on is the importance of card draw in this deck. And what I think mm-hmm. is, is the one place where you need to get greedy. I think a lot of this deck, because there's so many battle cries, like there's so many battle cries in this deck. Uh, and so it's, it's easy to, to kind of sit there and go, Oh, but I like that battle cry. Oh, that's another powerful battle. Cry. That's another powerful one. I don't want to cast these until the quest is complete. 
And so you kind of get into this like really greedy value oriented line of thought and, and you're, you're, you start to not prioritize the curve, prioritize just completing the quest. Cause yeah, it's fine. All these battle cries. Yes, they are good after you complete the quest, but you know, what's when, when they're, they're not good. You know, if you're, if you want to hold them for completing the quest, well, you need to complete the quest. So you need to, you need to make a call on what cards are okay to play before the quest is completed versus after. And the place where I try and be greedy on purpose is card draw. So my, my things like my novice engineer, my Azure Drake, I try and hold those for after the quest is completed because to, to me getting double draws post quest completion is, is just what makes this deck sing. And you're not always going to have that luxury, right? Like you just might find yourself in a draw where you're going like, to, if you don't just play your draw cards to complete the quest, you're just not having plays for, for turn after turn. And that's when you just kind of have to suck it up. And I think in most cases, play the draw, whatever. But I found myself time and time again, playing Zephyrus pre-quest mm. completion. Cause it was just, I just got to get it done. Let's get there. I've got to, ha- I have enough things to do in my hand. There, there was more than one game where I intentionally played Zephyrus pre quest, uh, over, uh, dropping a card, draw card. Well, and the thing about Zephyrus too, is that when you play him with the double battle cry, he's going to offer you the same options twice. So you kind of have to wait for a situation where, you know, the two things that he's going to offer you, or sorry, I guess the three things he's going to offer you twice that you're going to want two out of the three or that you're going to want the same thing twice. So like two brawls or something like that. Um, So you, you really have to kind of think about it in terms of like in that terms, like, do I want something that's just good this turn? Like, when do I play him? Do I play him now? Do I play him, you know, first on my turn, last on my turn? Like, how am I actually going to make use of him? He becomes a whole lot more difficult um, in this, uh, especially wild (laughs) place, right? Like there's just so many more potential outcomes from Zephyrus over in Wild. Well, no, I guess it's a basic classic. So right now, no, there's, maybe there's not. no, yeah, there's no classic, additional. Yeah. So never mind, forget that. But it just it feels. I think it's because Wild is just so crazy, anyways, that it makes me feel like there's more options because there's, I'm dealing with so many more board states. Yeah, like, there's I definitely guess, yeah. more complicated there's so board many, states. Yeah, there's so much craziness going on that I'm just like I don't even know what I want now half the time. That was kind of my um, fa- one of my favorite things about uh, this deck was uh, I we you you and I both, and even when I was playing by myself, I kept running up against these, these control late game oriented, uh, warlocks that were, you know, play, playing blood reef Dan. And, and suddenly I'm back in a land of endless void Lords and, mm-hmm. uh, all that kind of insanity. And, uh, it was so cool, you know, cause that's not that far from our memory death Knights, If you, if you were playing last year into this year, it's probably still pretty fresh in your memory. Um, and so that, that, it's such a, a poster child for why I think, I think, wild is cool is because suddenly i'm sitting here with this brand new card zephyrus i'm like oh man yeah zephyrus would have been great to have against some of these board states especially these really wide warlock boards and that's where you and i were co-piloting we're like yeah i want two brawls who cares give me both brawls i don't care that i was Mm -hmm. offered the same three options twice uh because the chances are i'm gonna have a more than one wide board to have to deal with against this warlock Warlocks are another reason why I heart devolves so much <laughs> because it's yeah. like I come up against a warlock and he's like, here, here's all my demons. And I'm like, nope, 
Yeah, I okay, don't even so, care what they are, but you're just not going to bring them back with Gul'dan. <laughs> so in terms of, of, of teching Oshi's, Oshi's deck list here, um, you took out Menacing Nimbus, Quicksand Elemental, Eater of Secrets, Questing Explorer, and you put in uh, Sandstorm Elemental, Hex, Hagatha's Scheme, and Devolve. I agree, with you, uh, uh, I agree with you here on everything except Questing Explorer, obviously. So I kept Questing Explorer in my deck. I did take out the Nimbus, the, uh, the Quicksand, and the Eater of Secrets. Um, so, so to me, I look at the sandstorm elemental and hex is almost like necessity. Like I found, mm-hmm. I always had a reason to play sandstorm elemental basically against any matchup I found myself in, whether it was control, uh, mid range aggro didn't matter. Sandstorm elemental is just a really handy piece of tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, hex, my love for this card spans hundreds of episodes and every year that Hearthstone has been a game. I love hex. So to me, uh, since I didn't take out Questing Explorer, my choice was between Devolve or Hagatha's Scheme as to what gets that extra tech spot. And I've, I think I've come around. I thought at first I, th- I I was really I was like Hagatha's Scheme, no doubt, going for it. Um, but as I played more, I think I'm gonna swap it out for Devolve. Devolve is just so cheap. It is so easy to find a place to drop this card. Um, mm-hmm. And also, a lot of times, you can set you up for a combo with a Sandstorm Elemental because of uh, drop tending to drop down health pools. Yes, very, very much so. And again, like I said, I in the area of the ladder where I was, where I was facing so much aggro and like flood the board aggro. Um, obviously, these these tech choices aren't as great against Mage. I found I just kind of didn't do well against mage. There's a lot of variants of secret mage in wild right now that are very, very, very bursty powerful. Um, And so I found I just didn't really do well against them, period. So I decided, you know, not to try to shore up my worst matchup because I didn't think there was much way I was going to beat mage anyways. I wanted to deal with all the rest of the aggro. So I wanted to deal with the paladins. I wanted to deal with the shamans and try to to smooth out that curve because that was most of what I was seeing. Now, I can see Eater of Secrets being really good if what you're seeing is a whole lot of mage because you've got Ice Block over in Wild. You've got, I mean, they have access to 10 or 12 secrets now. So there's just so, so much that they can do. There's a lot that will wipe your board. There's a lot that will damage your face. Like there's just the the mage secrets are crazy. So if you're seeing a lot of mages, then I would say, you know, keep an, keep an Eater of Secrets because, again, it's also a battle cry, right? So it's, yeah. it's helping with your quest completion. I'm, I'm, and it's one of the cards along the lines of Questing Explorer that you play ahead of time because you can only eat so many secrets. I'm confident <laughs> in saying that there will just come a rank if, if you're like us and you're starting low and climb out of the wild ladder. There's just going to come a rank where you're just going to have to find uh, a spot to put either secrets back in. Yes. Uh, yeah. Because uh, I was checking out wild stats, hadn't looked at them in a while. And uh, Secret Mage uh, is at least looking at HS Replay, the most popular archetype on wild, at least since yeah. Oldham. And um, there's a lot of different variations, but like the top like seven played mage decks on HS Replay, they're all a variation on Secret Mage. There's a ton of games played. It's a very popular deck, uh, archetype that I didn't see uh, in the lower lower ranks uh, because I don't yeah, play wild see, on the like, regular. <laughs> I saw it and just lost to it and was like, okay, moving on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but did very, very well against uh, shamans and paladins as a result of, of some of these changes. So yeah. um, I think it does uh, wild specifically. I mean, there's also the argument to be made in standard, but I think wild specifically, you really see big changes in who's playing what as you move up the ladder. So I think that uh, this is a kind of deck and and why I like Highlander decks in general is that there is a lot of wiggle room in this deck 
I mean, obviously you want to keep your, your Jade package in because Jade's is another thing that can get way out of control because you've got your, um, Mogu flesh shaper, which is such a huge bomb late game. Once you get your uh, hero power online from the quest and the, cause then you're summoning, um, two Jade's with taunt oh, alongside your five, five, Jade it's Chieftain. crazy. Oh, Jade Chieftain. Sorry. Yeah. yeah Sorry. The Mogu Flesh Shaper is the, the, they the look rad the new. Same. The Mogu Flesh Shaper is green and it's a Mogu. I get you. Um, They're very close. Yes. Yeah. No, Jade Chieftain. Jade, Jade Chieftain yeah. is, is like the opener for Shutterwalk. <laughs> like Jade mm-hmm. Chieftain, if that doesn't kill them, Shutterwalk's going to bring the house down. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, on top of that, I mean, obviously you've got your, your weapon that summons your Jades. You've got your uh, little woohoo jade spirit which i love that that's a card that i get to play with again because i love her and so when you can combo the jade package especially post quest and you're starting to uh ramp up that jade momentum man it can get just so so crazy late game that even control decks have a really hard time i mean jade was always kind of the control killer right it's like oh okay well you just killed my 10 10 well guess what this next two mana card that I'm playing is going to give me an 11, 11 and a 12, 12. So what are you going to do about those? <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it, it's, a, I, it's a solid deck, you know, again, we're mm-hmm. both coming from the lower leagues, uh, but we saw some meta decks. Uh, I saw a, a decent amount of aggro, which I went, I, I did well against, although I didn't see a, a very aggressive paladin, which is the, the deck I feel like would just have, have a very high chance of just running this over. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, the uh, Sandstorm Elemental really helps with that because yeah. all of the dudes are one ones, right? So Evolve even, as well. Yeah, even pre-quest, you can uh, just Sandstorm Elemental and then bam, you're done. Yeah, yeah. That's why I think I'm, I'm coming back around on Devolve because as I climb, I'm like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I know I'm going to run into those aggro paladins. And, and I think surviving to cast Tag of the Scheme is a real concern against mm-hmm. aggro paladins, whereas Devolve, it's two mana. Cool. They, they've got a board full of dudes and they just buffed them. They got a board full of buffed dudes. Not anymore. Mm-hmm. Also, you just made them like wisps. So enjoy. <laughs> yep. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's fun stuff. So it's good. Um, if anything, I would like just recall, like I, I, to me, um, I was surprised how important and how consistent and prominent bouncing was in this deck. I, mm. I, I feel like we should rename it to wild Reno quest, Jade bounce shaman. We need another <laughs> word in there because to me, the star <laughs> yeah. of this deck was bouncing and how you can flip the switch on what you're bouncing, why you are bouncing it for the situation that you find yourself in. Uh, the, the obvious one yeah. is if you're dying, you're bound, you're probably going to bounce healing just to survive more. You're going to bounce your Zephyrus uh, to, to find the correct card for the situation that you're in. And I actually found I was I was bouncing Zephyrus when I first started playing this deck. And I think that that was just the incorrect way to play for the most part. It was like bouncing Zephyrus was like this super duper greedy way to play. But I think the the better, more consistent, safer way to play is like you say, bouncing your healing, because especially when it came to um, Reno, because again, this is a, a Highlander deck with original Reno, which means you can heal back to full. And if you heal back to full and then, you know, play Barista and Brewmaster him back to your hand and Zola and Bog Slasher, not to mention again, the Reno heal is a battle cry, so it'll come off your shutter walk as well. But you've got like potentially four to five times that you could replay Reno, especially if you're able to play your Reno after your quest completion, because then you can use your hero power alongside Barista or Zola and get multiple copies of Reno. So basically this deck should just be called we're going to live forever because 
that's basically what you do when you start bouncing your Reno. And then it gives you a lot of time to do things like ramp up your jades and uh, and just anything else that you want to do to cr- try to close out the game. So, yeah, I think that uh, Reno actually might be the correct way to play because it just it lets you live forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, it depends on the situation you find yourself in. Sometimes you just don't need the healing. And those those are when this deck just becomes hilarious. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can just bounce jades indefinitely and just do stupid things. But um, yeah, I can't recommend it enough. We'll have the deck list for you over at amove.tv slash TAC. Big thanks to Oshi for sending it in. This one was definitely a little less straightforward than the deck list we covered last week. Uh, it was super fun though. Yeah, I really had a good time with it. It's it's a good example of like, anytime I get a new Highlander deck, it's fun to just play it over and over again because it, it, it just reminds me that part of the, what's so cool about Highlander decks is that uh, you can you can play the deck easy, 10, 10, 20 times in a single sitting, and you're going to find yourself in so many different hand states and board states um, that like your every game you're learning something new, you're figuring out a new play that you can make, a new combo that you can pull off uh, because of the inherent inconsistency of a one of thirty card deck. It's really rad. So thanks again, Oshi. And send your deck listen to TACpodcast at gmail.com. I have a feeling we'll be going back to meta decks next week just so we don't get burnt out. Don't worry. We're, we're saving your emails. We're saving your deck list. We're not just tossing them out. Although that'll <laughs> probably happen when a new expansion comes out. But but we'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. Uh, now, Jocelyn, we have one more sponsor to thank today before we move into crazy game stories. And that is BarkBox. They're back sponsoring this episode of The Angry Chicken. And all I just really want to say is, Jocelyn, we have an excuse to talk about dogs, which is really exciting because you have a dog now. Yes, we got a dog. I'm very, very excited. She is wonderful. Her name is Lexus, but we call her Lex. And uh, she is a golden retriever. And she's just, she's such a sweetheart. We love her very much, Lee. <laughs> you call her like LFA? Because that's like the most dope car Lexus has ever made. Sure. <laughs> This is how you know I didn't actually name her because, yeah, I, I didn't know nothing about cars. <laughs> we we did. We adopted her. So she is she is our adopted puppy who's nope. not actually a puppy. She's four, but <laughs> puppy-ish. Good on puppy you. Puppy adjacent. Good on you adopting an older dog. I am a selfish person who has... She's only four. <laughs> She's not that old. It's, it's hard for older animals to find homes. That's good. That is that is commendable. I am a selfish person who has, has uh, paid money for tiny little baby chihuahuas because I find them adorable and they bring joy to my life. Well, let's... <laughs> and then they grow up and you're like, ew. No, no, not at all. They, that's the awesome thing about chihuahuas. They stay small. They stay small and they stay adorable. <laughs> Love them. Um, anyways, Lexus if you're unfamiliar with BarkBox, folks, uh, they deliver rad toys, all natural treats. It, basically, it's dog joy in a box to your doorstep. They design their own toys in-house. They use really great materials, stuff like uh, stomach safe uh, t-shirt rope, which is really important in our house because, Joss, as you know, we are we had a, a new puppy this year. Wicket is, our, uh, is, is her name. She is obsessed with untying rope on dog's toys, just completely obsessed with it. And then she'll like shove like as much of it in her mouth as she can. And then she'll like pull out the whole toy. It's kind of, you know, you look at it and you're like, Oh, that's adorable until she pulls it back out. And you're like, Oh, that's, it's kind of nasty. But <laughs> you know, if she swallows a little bit, it's okay. It's, it's stomach safe t-shirt rope. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it. Uh, also the treats are made and produced with meat sourced in the U S and Canada. We are united, Jocelyn, in our high-quality sources for dog treats. <laughs> there's no soy, there's no corn, there's no wheat in these treats. There's just 
really good, especially for our older dog that's been on a grain-free diet his entire life. And my God, if he gets some corn in him, it's, it's no bueno. It's not good. It's not good. So uh, again, they ship directly to your door. It's a $40 value starting at $22 a month. They have such a great and wide variety of toys. It's going to keep your dog engaged. Uh, our dogs legit get excited when, when we bring the bark box out, like when it shows up, we bring it in, we put it on like the counter. They know what it is. They gather around and they wait, they sit there, Joss looking at up at us with their bulging, weird little chihuahua (laughs) Chihuahua eyes. eyes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really cute. Um, and they get stoked. We get to have a little unboxing party with, with our chihuahuas. Um, and they've got other options too. Like if you've got a heavy chewer, if your dog has allergies, they can accommodate all sorts of special needs for your dogs. And there's a 100% happiness guarantee. If your dog doesn't love something, they are going to replace it for free. No questions asked. And then they've got an offer for Angry Chicken listeners. You can get a free extra month of BarkBox. All you have to do is go over to BarkBox.com slash BarkingChicken. It's an amazing URL. Go to BarkBox.com slash Barking Chicken right now, and you're going to get a free extra month of BarkBox when you subscribe to a six or a 12-month plan. So go check them out one more time. It's BarkBox.com slash Barking Chicken for a free extra month when you subscribe to a six or a 12-month plan. You'll support the Angry Chicken in the process, and you'll get some awesome toys and treats for your uh, your fuzzy little family. So go check them out. We thank them for their support, and we thank you for sending in crazy game stories so that we can do this. If the whole world got crazy. You're in trouble now. You got it! I'm getting sympathy from the chat room because uh, apparently we have uh, other owners of dogs with food allergies in there. They they know my pain, Joss. They know my pain. <laughs> uh, you can send your crazy game stories to tacpodcast at gmail.com. What happened to Steve Yu, Jocelyn? Uh, so Steve Yu writes in and says, Hail, hardy hens. So here I am in the heroic tombs of terror. I've managed to carve together a supremely broken Finley deck with lots of Wind Fury divine shields. Poisonous one and two drops and free healing courtesy of Amakir, the treasure that gives two free heal cards on attack. Again, sweet hero power. I've cruised to the final boss, which is no small feat, of course. I'm feeling good about one-shotting the plague lord of played pl- plague lord of madness <laughs> when, true to form, the insanity begins. It starts when my thecal thecal thecal. I can never. I never know how to call. say that. The call. Okay, there we go. My the call rot- rotates around to the first in the first phase. The boss bounces it with vanish and then plays it himself. He's now at one health with about two hundred and sixty armor. Oh no, phase change. Hmm. Okay, not the end of the world. He doesn't run much healing, right? Well, about that. Turns out when a plague lord has one health and ninety nine, one hundred ninety nine armor, the phase change happens. And he heals up to 200. (laughs) That's 399 health now in phase two. (laughs) Well, I managed to use my healing and divine shields to escape from five up to back to full and even survive his Cthune and steal it with a wish. It's all just part of the grind, though, which is what made it worse when he sealed my Amakir and he gets four free heal cards off it. I'm at my wits end when the AI does something crazy. In a questionably desperate blurred clear, a psychic scream puts his Rin in my deck. We have an out. Unfortunately, 
The player turned out to be the weakness. I excitedly played Azari before taking him below 100. The boss refilled and a 45 attack Cthune wiped my board and smacked me in the face for lethal at the end of the turn. I'm crestfallen and kicking myself for throwing an amazing match. I click back into the menu and what do I see for the Plague Lord's persistent health meter? One. Not 100, one health. Best guess is that the Thikal incident goofed up the match by setting the boss's health to 200 when the phase changed, but the health tracking wasn't affected. So that's how I managed to do 460 damage in one go to a heroic plague lord of madness and still have one more point to go. Well, back into the tomb. So he did write us in again and said that the uh, he did actually go into the fight and the boss only had one health. So he defeated the boss literally on turn one. <laughs> that is amazing. That's so, so just in that. Wow. That's just insanity. Uh, thank you for sharing, Steve. You um, God, I love when things get weird, <laughs> especially yep. in single player. That Seems is, like they're getting very weird in the tomb. <laughs> that is super funky. Yeah. And this is what's you're you're damn right. Baron to air TV on in the chat that says you can't make that shit up. Yeah. If yeah. you ask me to write this like fictionally, like, hey, just come up with the most ridiculous bullshit you can uh, for a crazy game story for single player. I wouldn't have come to anything that even roughly approximated the story. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. When I read this, I was like, uh, yeah, that's that's going in there. Like heals all the way back up. So it's like phase change just puts him at 200 health. That's crazy. <laughs> uh, that's yeah, that's just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, well, thank you for sharing, Steve. You and I'm I'm frankly like I'm sure you were mildly annoyed. I'm really glad you had this experience because it's a fun story and I'm glad that you shared it with us. And also, who doesn't want to go back to the tomb and just like reno ping for one when you get to the <laughs> plague lord and get your win that's hilarious it seems like such a reno thing to do as well i love in teams of terror how they're just leaning in to him being like this ridiculous adorable idiot <laughs> like he's just he's so like oh it's face smashing time and just i don't know he's just he's crazy he's he, funny he, i he, i like his character a lot don't pick on the ruggedly handsome fellow. <laughs> okay. I'm not picking on him. Okay. I said I liked him. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again, Steve, you for the, uh, for the story. Keep them coming, everybody. Let's wrap this up with a question uh, in our email segment. Hello. Hello, it's me. Hello. Um, just quickly, do you get my message? Yep. Oh. Hello. You can send your emails to tacpodcast at gmail.com or you can write us in our Patreon Discord if you support us on the Patreon. Uh, oh my God, I'm reading chat room again. Hachikumo, uh, no, I have not seen the Flexplosion treasure. That's a thing you can get. This, oh, this, is, what, this is another reason that single player is cool because there's so many unique cards that mm -hmm. uh, you can't... I, I don't know all of them. I haven't seen them all personally. What am I going to do? Well, they can... They can do all like crazy big broken things on both sides, whether it's, yeah. you know, you as the player getting to play with treasures or crazy, ridiculous boss hero powers. Like there's there's so much they can do that is crazy, broken and unbalanced that would never fly over in PvP. But it's great in PvE content. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's awesome. I had no idea there was a there's a flexplosion treasure that's so good. Uh, anyway. Don't tell us what it does. Don't tell us. Don't tell good. us. Let Garrett find let, it. Let himself. me just find it. I'm gonna go log as many Reno games as I can. Um, anyways, uh, Leon Lewis GJ, who's actually in the chat room right now, but uh, posted a question to our patron Discord and said, "I'll be going to BlizzCon for the first time this year. Any travel wisdom recommendations or pro tips?" that you can share. I love talking about going to BlizzCon, especially if it's your first time. Yeah, and it's coming up pretty quickly. We're about, what, five-ish weeks away from BlizzCon now? It's it's right around the corner, Jocelyn. And uh, this this face, video audience, this is the face of pure anxiety. <laughs> I have so much. I'm going to be in states other than Florida more than I am in Florida for the entire month of October and the culmination of it, the cherry on top of this, please God, I hope I don't get sick traveling Sunday is BlizzCon. That's the, that's it. Once, once BlizzCon comes and goes, I'm done. I'm done traveling, but uh, I'm going to be in New Mexico, North Carolina, and then California for BlizzCon over the whole, whole month of October. And uh, well, and speaking of getting sick, I mean, that's my first pro tip is be very aware of your hands. So make sure you are like carrying hand sanitizer, wash your hands like all the time. And uh, yeah, just keep in mind what you've been touching because it's very, very, very easy to get sick at BlizzCon. So like <laughs> you're gonna say you, because well, other people may not be keeping in mind what they've been touching. Well, I mean, there's that. I mean, you're going to be probably giving a lot of hugs, shaking a lot of hands, touching a lot of surfaces, opening a lot of doors. And all of that is gross. <laughs> you're touching in a lot a of keyboards and gym. mice. That keyboards other and mice is another thing. Yeah. People have touched. Yeah, yep, you so may just, even be touching phones if you're at all interested in a Diablo Immortal demo. Or actually, I was trying to make an Immortal joke. Frankly, a lot of the Hearthstone demo stations are touchscreens as well. Um, but yeah, it's really easy to get sick. Um, it, it's this is like the boring, not fun one. But I keep yeah. uh, <laughs> I keep hand sanitizer and sanitizing wipes just permanently in my travel bag. Every once in a while, I check the wipes to make sure they haven't dried off, but they're just in there so that when I go, like I bring the same like uh, messenger bag with me anytime mm-hmm. I get on a plane. So they're always in there. Um, so the, yeah, I'm, I'm wiping down. I'm, I'm totally like full old grandma mode. Like my grandma always <laughs> before every dinner. This is like a little glimpse into my childhood, like passes around the hand sanitizer before you eat everybody here. Do the hands. I guess this was a little later on. This is probably more my teens because I don't think hand sanitizer was around in like 94. But yeah. Um, other than that, um, like have a good time. And, and by that, I mean like what you go and do at BlizzCon, like what you want to do is going to be very different depending on who you are. Like if you're really into esports rad go just soak it all in because if you've never been to a live esports event especially something on the scale of blizzcon it's insane like you you haven't experienced anything like it maybe you have if you've gone and seen live traditional sports because that's what it can feel like at times Mm -hmm. sitting in a crowd of thousands tens of thousands in some cases other people watching professional gaming it's crazy yeah there's uh, actually at BlizzCon specifically, there's actually like an arena that you can go to. And I recommend even if whatever's being played in there, I imagine it's probably going to be Overwatch. It is not. Even, oh, it's not. It's Starcraft. Oh, what's going to be in the arena? Starcraft. No way. Yeah. Starcraft's going back. back, baby. Nice. Going right. back. Well, then I 
absolutely recommend it because I love watching StarCraft. I find StarCraft to be intensely exciting. Um, anyways, so yeah, you should uh, definitely make sure that you go and watch at least one match just in that space because it's absolutely incredible. It's like a traditional sports arena, but they have it set up for, for a long time. It was just StarCraft. Then they had the Overwatch League in there, but I guess now they've gone back to StarCraft again. And just to be with that many people, the arena is huge. I don't even know what the final capacity of the arena is, but it's tens of thousands. And to see just the the energy of that room is like you'll never experience anywhere else. So go there, even if it's not an esport you follow, because you just can't help but get hyped. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's nuts. But also, like, watch the esports that you are into, because even if they're not, in, as my dog barks, someone just rang the doorbell and it's hot in here, so I left my door open. Uh, this would have been great during the BarkBox ad. Yeah. <laughs> this would have been fantastic. <laughs> so, so yeah, you uh, definitely go and see esports. See the esports, obviously, that you're also really interested in, which I think is what Garrett was going to say. Uh, and he's now left me, so I'm just going to keep talking. But, uh, but yeah, esports is definitely a big part of BlizzCon. But there's also a lot of uh, kind of smaller panels that you may not necessarily... Not that you won't be aware of, but that may not pop into your head. So there's obviously the big ones. There's the opening ceremonies. Uh, for the opening ceremonies, I would stay the hell out of the main hall. Um, there's plenty of places that you can find seating and you can watch from that and they get just as hyped. Um, they've also started doing a thing where they throw to the other stages. So if, for instance, you're super into Hearthstone, you could be over at the Hearthstone stage and you can actually see the part of the Hearthstone or the opening ceremonies that's about Hearthstone actually live in front of you. So you can pick and choose your location for the opening ceremonies. You don't have to be in the main hall. That main hall is absolutely crazy. Um, but outside of like kind of the big uh, opening ceremonies and the what's next panel, uh, there's a lot of smaller things that are often really interesting. So they do things like uh, the music of Blizzard panels. Uh, they talk to artists and the storytellers a lot. You can uh, get people to, to like break down the actual creative process. There's panels on, you know, like how to get a job at Blizzard, which even if you're not specifically looking at Blizzard, but you're just interested in general about, you know, a career in gaming, then there's there's lots and lots and lots of panels that are kind of like that. They're out of the way. They're smaller, but they're they're really, really interesting. And a lot of people tend to miss those because they're like, I want to see the what's next. I want to see all the patch 8.3 info. It's like, well, that's really cool, but you can probably read that on Wowhead next week. Like maybe, you know, just diversify a little bit and see, see what else there is there that might appeal to your interest. That isn't the big, huge, you know, what's going on in the games. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I like panels, um, especially for the main games, uh, that all, at least for me, seem to all be Warcraft, uh, attached in some way. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's nice when I'm there just to be informed about it and not have to read about it on our phone. Um, but like last year, for example, it was, it was really hard for me to even get mm -hmm. to the, get to the panels, but a lot of the side stuff, I mean, that that's what you 100% cannot experience if you're not there. So I highly recommend it, especially if you're a big big nerd about that kind of stuff. Like the first year I went, I spent almost my entire time sitting at the art stage because they had, they had art, uh, panels and demos happening pretty much 24 seven. So mm -hmm. every art team and a mix of certain art teams had a chance to go up on stage and kind of talk about what they do, the art direction, uh, behind the games. Um, and then I also like you, Joss, you know this, but maybe the listeners don't, I have basically every blizzard art book that has ever been printed. It's, it's a big nerd about Blizzard art. I love their art style for all of their games. 
And um, the first year I went, this would have been 2010. This was the geek is year. This was BlizzCon's first big off year. Mm. Everyone thinks about if it wasn't for last year, 2010 was considered by most to be the lamest BlizzCon because there wasn't any big announcements. Um, but it was my first BlizzCon. So I lost my mind entirely. I had a huge, just, I had such a great time. And, uh, I brought my, my Starcraft two wings delivered the art book. And, and I went to the, 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 team signing where they had the majority of the development team there, uh, to sign stuff. So I brought my art book, I got it signed. And, uh, a couple years after I was like, boy, that was a really nerdy thing to do. Um, <laughs> I was really excited about the time a couple years after I was like, that's really nerdy. And now that here I am, I've been, I've been podcasting for almost a decade and it all started with Starcraft that autographed art book. Like that is my like most prized nerd, like blizzard possession. Cause like, it's also like, I look back on that as like this, this focal point that was the building block for me to even get into content around video games. Um, I have actually something similar because I went and got a whole bunch of Hearthstone pros and developers. So like Broad, Young Woo, who aren't even there anymore uh, to sign. I have the replica Hearthstone box that opens up and plays the theme song. So inside of the Hearthstone box on the, the purple felt is all signed by like Savitz is on there, too. And which started so hot. So like, it just, it's, it's very much, I know what you mean about having like a signed piece of memorabilia that is a really big touchstone for you personally when it comes to BlizzCon. Because obviously, if you're going to BlizzCon, Blizzard means a whole hell of a lot to you. So um, it's kind of good to have one of those um, unique pieces. And like Garrett said, there's a lot of signing tables and stuff that you can go to. So pay attention to those as well. Um, the other thing I would say is and Hachikuma mentions in the chat room, make sure you go see the tech host. Not so much even just like personalities that you might want to meet up with, but I would say nail down your plans with your friends who are from out of town and you don't normally see. Nail that down before you get to BlizzCon because BlizzCon is big. It is overwhelming. There's a lot of different things to see and do. So if you're trying to coordinate on the ground with your friends, it's almost impossible unless you're like Garrett and I, we're sharing a hotel room. So I know at least once a day I'll see Garrett. Yes. <laughs> but no, I mean, there's a door separating it. So <laughs> yeah, it, <true. laughs> I believe we do have to share a bathroom though. So that might get weird. We'll, we'll listen. We'll brush our teeth together with our quip toothbrushes. They're technically not. A there you today, go. But, there you go. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's also really just a big party. To coordinate. Yeah, it, exactly. It's a big party. There's a lot to do. There's a lot to see. So if there are people that you specifically want to see while you're at BlizzCon, make sure you say like, okay, Sunday night dinner, we're going to go, you know, we're going to hang out and just kind of make sure you schedule that time and set that time aside because the event can really get away from you very quickly. Absolutely. As, as, as quickly as it comes, it, it just disappears. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, what, what we, every year we say, we're like, oh, BlizzCon needs a third day. Yes. Uh, because it is just here <laughs> and gone so quickly. Um, like, even like, I'm, no panels. I don't need panels. Just finish your esports stuff. Let's break that out over more days so I can actually see more of it. Just esports and demo day. Just seven. Yeah. Just Sunday <laughs> is just queue up to play games and watch esports finals. Like, let's yeah. do that. Can we make that happen, Blizzard? Please, please, and thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, Blizz, BlizzCon. Um, even when there's not big announcements, is still like the highlight of my year. It, you know, I get to see so many of my friends that I wouldn't get to see otherwise. It's like, uh, since I've started going annually, it's like an annual wedding. It's, you know, you go to a wedding, you're like, <laughs> oh my God, we never have an excuse to be in the same room, to be in the same state. 
and and BlizzCon does that does that for me annually, and I'm uh, I'm really lucky to be able to do that. So uh, yeah, just enjoy it. Just slow down. Just take it in. I mean, my God, like last uh, was it last year? Two years ago? I think it was two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. I'm just I just go sit down at the opening ceremony. This is not, by the way, in like one of those press areas or anything. I I was like, whatever. I've seen an opening. We'd see once opening ceremony. See them all. I'm gonna sleep in. I'll go in when I can and get a seat when I can. You know, I found one of the last seats in the main hall, sit down and, and, uh, who's in front of me, Christy golden <laughs> author <laughs> of every blizzard novel that you've ever liked. <laughs> and yeah. And uh, I was just like, I'm sorry. Are you, you Christy golden? She's like, yes. And then we just ended up like geeking out until the opening ceremony started. And uh, just random stuff like that happens all the time. I, I've mentioned yeah, multiple Blizzcon's times full of that. Yeah. I mentioned multiple times. I met Mike Borheim in line for food. Uh, cause you know, back when he was CEO of Blizzard, he was still humble enough to wait in line for his own food, I guess. I, I don't know, <laughs> but you know, stuff like that happens all the time. So just be prepared for it. And, uh, you know, don't be in too much of a rush. Just, you know, let it wash over you. You're, you're not gonna mm-hmm. be able to see everything. So enjoy what you are able to see. Yeah. It's a, it's a good time. It's a good time that BlizzCon and I can't wait to see everybody. We don't have hard plans yet, but I have a feeling we'll be doing our bowling alley meetup again as usual. It's a good bet. Um, yeah. Yeah. World of podcasts this is a very, very good chance that you're going to see us mm-hmm. there. Our smiling faces, probably talking about some games into a microphone. Absolutely. Getting our podcast on before BlizzCon. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So, so best of luck. And uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll give out some more BlizzCon tips uh, as we get closer. I'm, we still haven't seen the map. So. True. The only reason we it's know it's gotta be soon, right? Yeah. The only reason we know you say that a lot of that BlizzCon stuff <laughs> is like we don't know who the closing band is or bands because last year, mm-hmm. remember, there were multiple performers and unfortunately one of them was Train. Uh, then we had yeah, the map was really late last year. Now that I remember it, I have no idea who the band's going to be. You know, maybe I'll get lucky and it'll be Green Day, Fallout Boy, and Weezer, and then I can sell the really expensive tickets I just bought because I saw them at BlizzCon. We'll just have a mini Hella <laughs> Megator at BlizzCon. That will Man, never happen. I Green Day would be the one band I would not skip at BlizzCon. I always skip the band. Uh, the lines for the demos are very short when the band is playing. But I, uh, I've yeah. skipped it many years in a row now. Not to cast shade on anyone except Train. If you're listening, Train, your band is terrible. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but, um, but, but yeah, yeah. I think the last one I made it a point to go see was Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters was the year after Blink-182, right? Maybe. So I saw Blink and I, I saw Foo Fighters. Band, Garrett. You're asking the wrong person. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I got nothing. I got nothing. That new Blink-182 album is insane, by the way. Everyone go listen to it. That's going to do it for this episode. We need to see the damn map, man. You see the map. Yeah. Uh, the only reason we know Starcraft's back in the arena is because I think it was back in April. They had a big w- WCS announcement post, and they mentioned that it was back in the arena, um, which really surprised me. But I'm I'm glad because I've gotten back into Starcraft esports really really hard this year. Like I've been I've watched every season of GSL this year. Can't wait. Um, anyways, it's going to wrap it up this show. Uh, huge thanks to our patrons. If you like what Joss and I are doing here, you want to support the show, head on over to patreon.com slash TAC. If you dig the show on iTunes, drop us a five-star review. Um, also huge thanks to our Patreon producers, Declan H, Sean C and cheesy Bob. Thank you for the support. You three, the whole back catalog of episodes is at amove.tv. We're also on YouTube at youtube.com slash amove.tv. If you've never watched the video version, if you don't know what we looked like, well, don't 
go there because I guess then you'll know what we look like and it'll probably spoil it. I'm sure I am so much sexier in your head than I actually am in real life. Uh, <laughs> and if you do do that, t- uh, Twitter me and let me know what you thought I looked like because that always amuses me greatly. A lot of people usually think I am much heavier than I am and a lot older than I am, Joss. That's the one I get over and over again. The people are I don't also, really, yeah, nobody ever tells me I don't look like I sound. <laughs> I mean, I would argue you look like you sound. <laughs> but also, I've always known what you look like, so. Yeah, I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, because I feel the same about you. Like, yeah, that's what Garrett sounds like. Yeah, that's true. We've always <laughs> what known else what would you sound like? like. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Uh, you can catch us live Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern time right here on twitch.tv slash TV, And we do other things. Uh, Joss, where can folks find you when you're not on the, ang- the uh, Angry Chicken? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Twitch. I'm at Joss Plays. And as always, for the next couple months, I'm going to bug you guys about Extra Life. Uh, the link will be in our show notes. It's a charity stream that we do. I think we've pretty much locked down dates, or at least I've pretty much locked down dates for my streams in October and November. It's a great cause going towards the Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals. So please do support the campaign and you can support it in two ways. You can either support it monetarily or just sharing the link helps to uh, help spread the stream, help spread the the charity page and everything else. So uh, I appreciate either kind of support. Thank you guys so much. And uh, yeah, I'll have full dates. Uh, we'll I'll talk about them next week because I, I think we're still narrowing down some stuff in November. So uh, obviously because of BlizzCon. So yeah, just uh, stay tuned next week. I'll have all final dates for you with all of the streams, but uh, we will be starting up pretty early in October. So nice. I'm going to check it out. That is definitely worthy. So go (laughs) check that out. I'm going to find a day to to, to join you for for some hours as well. Uh, So once, once that's narrowed down, I will also be annoying you all about it. Definitely make sure you go and, uh, and support Extra Life. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Garrett Art. All of the podcasts I do, this one included, you know where to find it. It's amove.tv. What I really want to mention is that I have been streaming World of Warcraft Classic on twitch.tv slash amove.tv very early in the mornings. I call it uh, Classic and Coffee. You can join me at 8 a.m. Eastern Time over twitch.tv slash amove.tv Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays while I get my levels in in uh, World of Warcraft Classic. We're taking it, you know, somewhat slow. Want to make sure that our gold is in sync with our levels so we can actually buy mounts and abilities as we need it. So I'm currently um, just doing that Stranglethorn Veil grind, Joss. Closing (laughs) in on level 40. I would probably be there already, but I keep slowing down because I'm like, I do not have enough gold for a mount. (laughs) I need to slow down. How close are you? I don't even know how much much gold a mount costs. Uh, So your level 40 mount, which is just your your standard 60% movement speed mount, is I think 100 for the skill, and I think it's like 10 gold for the mount, if Mm. I remember correctly. So 110 gold. I'm sitting at like... I think today I shot up from like 39 to 47 in a single auction house outing, uh, you know, picked up like another, you know, like eight or eight or so gold. Um, I need to just go do some grinding. Like I need to go grind out some leather, some herbs. I'm a double gathering profession. Mm. So, um, but oh, that old story. Yeah. That whole <laughs> thing. Plus I'm a hunter and it's classic. So one of my bag slots is taken up with a quiver filled with mm. arrows so I just really wanted to have all of the bag slot issues I possibly could in my classic experience. Obviously. <laughs> but yeah, so that's uh, that's what I'll be working on. Anyways, folks, um, that's going to do it for the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back next week for episode 334 of The Angry Chicken. But until then, you know how we end it. Job's done. Job's done. Job's done.
Job's done. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there. 